0: Uh, Follow along as we read First Corinthians fifteen one to twenty six. It's on page one thousand two hundred twenty two in the pew Bibles. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. For if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as first importance As to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain for even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he was raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruit, then at his coming those who belong in Christ. Then comes to the end when he delivered the kingdom of, to God the Father after s- destroying every rule, every authority and power. For he must reign until all he has been sorry. He must reign until he has put all in his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death.
1: Thanks, Susie. Let's ask for God's help as we seek to understand this passage together. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you that Jesus has risen from the dead and for all that that means for us. As we come to this part of your word now, please help us understand and please help us see what the Jesus' resurrection means for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, there are some things that aren't optional. They are essential. Like a few years ago, our family went on holiday to New Zealand. There was a lot to organise, accommodation, a hire car, activities. You know, we had a great time. But what was the very first thing that we booked? Tickets. Flights. That's right. See, flights aren't optional for a trip overseas. They're essential. Without them, the trip just won't happen. We'd just be sitting at home, spending our money on something where we wish we were. It's like a cricket ball for a test match. It's like spark plugs for an engine, fabric for a quilt, keys for the car. These things aren't optional. They are essential. And if you don't have them, you're left with nothing. And when it comes to Easter, actually, I want to say when it comes to the whole Christian faith, Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday is like that. It's not an optional extra. It's not the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, a nice little supernatural addition to the life of a good teacher. It is absolutely essential. Without the resurrection, we've got nothing. No saviour, no forgiveness, no hope for the present, no certainty about the future. Without the resurrection, Paul says our faith is in vain and we are to be pitied. But with the resurrection, we've got everything. Forgiveness for our sins, confidence in God's grace, even in our sin. Hope for the present, hope for the future, even hope in the face of death. That's what we're going to see this morning from the passage that we just read. Paul's going to show us how Easter Sunday, it's not just a nice optional extra. It is essential to our Christian faith. It is essential to our lives. It is essential for us to live with any kind of hope. Because Jesus really has risen from the dead, we really can have true hope no matter what. So let's dig into this together. Let's see why the resurrection of Jesus is so essential. First, Paul tells us, Hold fast to the good news because Jesus has risen. The passage we just read is part of a letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth. It was a little town south of Athens in Greece. And he was writing to them somewhere between 53 and 55 AD. Only about 20 years after that very first Easter. It seems like one of the reasons that Paul's writing to the people in Corinth is because some of them are denying the resurrection. They're saying there's no such thing as a resurrection of the dead. But for Paul, this is terrible because the resurrection of Jesus, it's not just a nice optional extra. It is essential. And so he writes to them on how important the resurrection is and to call them to hold fast to the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Look in verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says, I want to remind you about the good news of Jesus. Remember that good news that I preached to you, that you heard and believe, the good news that through Jesus, God is saving you. But they have to hold fast to it to hold fast to the good news, and that includes Jesus' resurrection. Verse three. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. See, Paul lays out the essentials of this good news. One, that Christ That's Jesus, God's promised king. He died for our sins. We heard about this from Wall on Friday. This is the exchange that Jesus made with us, for us. He died in our place to take the punishment for our sins so that we can receive his reward for his righteous life. See, all of us have sinned. We've sinned in the bad stuff that we've done. We've sinned in our failure to do the good that we should have. We've sinned in our failure to truly love God and to love others. We've sinned by turning away from God to live life our own way. We all deserve God's righteous anger and punishment for our sin. But Jesus makes that swap that we would never make. He died for our sin. And this was no accident. It was actually all according to plan, according to what God promised in the Old Testament Scriptures. That's one. Two, that Christ was buried. He wasn't faking his death. He didn't just pass out and wake up later. He was truly 100% dead and buried. Literally buried in a tomb and left for dead. And three, that Jesus was raised on the third day. On the Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. Really, truly, 100%, just as was promised in the Old Testament scriptures. This is an essential. It is a vital part of the good news of Jesus, that Paul is sharing. And the Corinthians, and you and I, can be sure of it because there were so many witnesses. So many people saw the risen Jesus. Let's just keep a running tally for a moment of how many people Paul lists. Verse five. And he appeared to Cephas. That's one. Then to the twelve. Thirteen. More than my fingers already. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are alive. Although some have fallen asleep. Up to 513. Then he appeared to James. 514. And then to all the apostles. More than 514. <laughs> This isn't myth, it's not philosophy, it's not made up, pie in the sky. Jesus really did rise. There were more than 500 eyewitnesses. And Paul doesn't even list all the women who were involved. And he says that most of these guys are still alive. If they really want to, the believers in Corinth could go and talk to them. What did you really see? Remember, this is only 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. This is as recent to them as 9-11 is to us. Paul's not making this up. He's saying, guys, you can check this out for yourselves. Heaps of people saw it. And by God's grace, that includes Paul himself. Verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it's not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Paul's not just giving us proof that the resurrection really happened. He's showing us that. Jesus' resurrection means that God's grace is for all kinds of people. And I mean all kinds of people. Paul persecuted the church. He hunted down, rounded up, jailed and killed God's people. He was a murderer. And yet God's grace was even for him. God showed grace even to a sinner like Paul. And he even used Paul to proclaim the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection around the ancient world. You see, Jesus' resurrection gives us hope that God's grace is even for people like you and I. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you feel like you are, no matter what's in your past, no matter what you're ashamed of or you're afraid to admit... Jesus died for your sins and rose again. And God's grace is for you. He offers full and free forgiveness. He offers new life. He offers you real hope. But if Jesus wasn't raised, then we don't have any hope at all. That's where Paul goes next. No resurrection equals no hope. See, now we get to the heart of the problem that Paul's trying to address. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? Some of the Corinthians are saying that there is no such thing as the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, OK, let's just imagine that for a moment and let's follow it through to its logical conclusion. Verse 13. 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. See, Paul lays it out step by step. No no resurrection means that Jesus is not raised. And that means Paul's preaching is useless. It's vain. In fact, it's just plain wrong. Paul is a liar who is misrepresenting God. If there's no resurrection, then there is no hope for Paul because he's a liar who's misleading people about God. And that if there's no resurrection, it also means there's no hope for them. Their faith is in vain because they've put their faith in something that simply isn't true. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Paul does it again, right? He's saying, let's imagine, and he lays it out step by step. If the dead aren't raised, Jesus isn't raised. And if Jesus isn't raised, their faith is pointless. It's in vain because they've put their faith in someone who is dead. And that means no forgiveness of sins, no grace, no hope. See, Jesus' resurrection, it is the moment of Jesus' victory over sin and death. It is a moment when he's vindicated as a victorious king, the righteous one who didn't deserve to die, but died in our place for our forgiveness and who paid for our sins in full. If Jesus didn't rise, then he's just another criminal. Just another human being who died for their own sins, who faced God's judgment that they deserved. But the resurrection proves that Jesus didn't die for his own sins. He was victorious. He died for us. He paid in full. And he is now victorious over sin and death. The resurrection, it's like the moment when the criminal walks free from jail. You see it in the movies sometimes. They breathe that fresh air. ah. His sentence is paid in full, his time is served, he can go. No more punishment left. Except Jesus wasn't serving his own sentence. He was serving ours. And the resurrection shows that the sentence has been paid in full, 100%. Death can't hold him. It has no claim on him. The price has been paid. But if there's no resurrection, then none of that is true. No forgiveness, no new life, no hope. If there's no resurrection, then there's also no hope for those who have died before us. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. See, for the Christian, death isn't something to be terrified of anymore. We don't have to be afraid of what awaits us. If we trust in Jesus, then we are forgiven, loved by God. We go to be with him. And so for the Christian, the New Testament talks about death like falling asleep. That's a great encouragement for us. Our loved ones who have died before us, who trusted in Jesus, they are with him. And one day they will be raised to new life. Jesus' resurrection is the guarantee. But if Jesus wasn't raised, then our hope is in vain. Death means eternal death and it means perishing forever. And Paul says, just to top it off, if there's no resurrection, then we have no hope in this life either. Verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, living for Jesus isn't easy. It includes suffering. You may face mocking or rejection or trouble because you follow Jesus. It will mean turning away from the sinful things you want to do to grow to be more like Jesus. Think about Paul. He spent his life travelling around the world to share the good news of Jesus. Jesus. He faced rejections, stonings, beatings. He was shipwrecked. He was rejected, even by God's people. He worked hard. He was anxious, all because of his confidence in Jesus. If the resurrection didn't happen, all of that is in vain. It's all pointless. Paul's sacrifice wasn't noble. It was something pitiful. If the resurrection didn't happen, there's no point to any of it. See, Paul is saying that the resurrection isn't an optional extra. It is absolutely essential to the Christian faith. Without it, everything falls apart. I want to say that means you can't just have Christianity with Jesus as a nice moral teacher. as just an impressive and good person. He claimed to be God. He suffered and died. He calls us to take up our cross and follow him. If he didn't really rise from the dead, then all of that is pointless. Christianity offers no hope for us now or later. Paul's built up this hypothetical for us because he wants us to see that Jesus' resurrection is essential to our faith. Without it, we have nothing. But good news, we can come out of depressing, hypothetical land for a while. Jesus really did rise. And Jesus' certain resurrection means absolutely certain hope for us. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. This sounds a little confusing, but Paul is simply saying that because Jesus has been raised for sure, we have life for sure if we trust in him. That's what he means when he says that Jesus is the first fruits. The first fruits was the first part of the harvest that you offered to God as a sacrifice. But the thing about the first fruits is that it's a guarantee that there's more to come. You only have the first fruits if there's more to the harvest. And Jesus' resurrection guarantees that there's more to come, Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection. When Adam sinned against God, he brought death for all people. And we follow in his footsteps with our own sin. But where Adam brought death by his sin, Jesus brings life by his obedience and resurrection. And the fact that Jesus is alive guarantees that we have eternal life if we belong to him. Verse 23. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong. Christ. If we belong to Jesus, then our resurrection is guaranteed. Sure, 100%. When Jesus returns, we too will be raised to life. And Jesus' resurrection proves it because the resurrection shows that Jesus has paid the price for our sin and has defeated even death itself. Verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our future. When Jesus returns and sets all things right, when all of his enemies are defeated forever, even death, In the resurrection, Jesus landed the killing blow. He was shown to be victorious over death once and for all. But it's not finished yet. Jesus has won the victory, but the mopping up isn't done yet. God is graciously giving time for us to hear the good news and belong to Jesus. But when Jesus returns, death will be dealt with once and for all. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. God will wipe every tear from our eyes and we will be with him forever. Jesus' resurrection isn't optional. It's our guarantee, the guarantee of eternal life for all those who belong to Jesus. So what do we do with all this, this Easter morning? Well, maybe you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing. Maybe you want to know more. You want to know if it's true. I want to say to you look at the resurrection. Christianity stands or falls on the truth of Jesus' resurrection, but it is true. Jesus really did rise. His body has never been found. More than 500 eyewitnesses saw him alive. And something changed his timid, scaredy-cat disciples into lean, mean gospel-preaching machines who went around the ancient world preaching the good news of Jesus, even when it meant their own death. The good news of this man, Jesus, has spread around the whole world. Jesus really did rise. Look into it. Maybe you're convinced, but you're not sure what to do next. I want to say to you, you need to belong to Jesus. That's not just turning up to church. It's not just doing good deeds to impress God. It is simply you personally trusting Jesus as your Lord, accepting his free gift of forgiveness, responding by turning away from your sin and turning to him in faith. Will you do that this morning? Will you trust in Jesus? If you will, I'm going to pray in a moment, and I encourage you to pray along quietly with me. But maybe you're here this morning as someone who already does trust in Jesus. I want to say to you, this Easter Sunday, hold fast to the gospel. Hold fast to the good news of Jesus, our Saviour who died for our sins, who was buried, who rose again on the third day. Hold on to the resurrection and hold on to the hope that we have because of it. The hope of God's grace to everyone, even sinners like you and me. The hope of full and free forgiveness from God because of Jesus' death for us the hope of eternal life with him, that means that we don't need to fear death. Instead, we look forward to being with him forever. Hope that isn't just for the future, hope that changes our present as we face whatever our lives hold with the certain hope that Jesus really has been raised. We will be with him forever. Jesus' resurrection isn't optional. It is essential essential for life, essential for Christian faith, essential for hope. So let's hold fast the good news of Jesus' resurrection because Jesus really did rise and in him we really do have hope, even in the face of death. I'm going to pray now and if you're someone who wants to respond to Jesus' resurrection by turning to Jesus in faith for the first time today, I encourage you to pray along quietly with me. Let's pray. Dear God, we have sinned against you. We have done things that we shouldn't. We haven't done things that we should. We've turned away from you to live our own way. We need your forgiveness. Thank you that Jesus died for our sins. Thank you that he was buried. Thank you that he rose again on the third day. Thank you that his resurrection gives me certain hope of your forgiveness. Certain hope, even in the face of death. Please help me to hold fast to this good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.